Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back. Darren Mitchell here with another episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. We'll call this Two Up Tuesday, as I said in the previous podcast. Didn't record one yesterday, being Monday or Friday last week, so uh, two today and I'll do two tomorrow. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about tapping into your team's collective intelligence. One of the key things as a leader is to recognize there is different levels of experience, different levels of capability, and also different levels of perspective that exist within your team. And one of the best things that we can do as leaders is to tap into that collective intelligence as much as we possibly can to leverage the perspectives, leverage the output, leverage the, I guess, the thinking patterns of your team because collectively it may end up being a lot better in terms of output than if you just left it to your own devices, which unfortunately a lot of leaders do. My experience is a lot of leaders Having made the leap from individual contributor to a sales leader in particular, they get the title, they get the accolades, they get the prestige, they get the status, and therefore they think, well, I am the master problem solver, and it's not the case. Great leaders, exceptional leaders, and certainly exceptional sales leaders know that, you know what, just when they get into the role of the sales leader, that is where the role starts. That is where the work starts, and in fact... They very quickly work out just how much they actually do not know. So it is really important to leverage the team, leverage the the key stakeholders that within your sphere of influence and really tap into that because not only will it help you develop quicker, it'll help your team develop quicker and through that process, uh, deliver better results in a lot quicker time frame and more sustainable results over time because you're actually leveraging the power of the team rather than leaving it up to individuals. So the workshop I ran yesterday was actually uh, part three of a four-part workshop series I'm running for an organization around uh, influence and problem-solving and decision-making. And yesterday, we talked about a lot of interesting uh, topics, including some toolkits around problem-solving and decision-making specifically. But there was one in particular that I spent a bit of time on that I'd like to cover off on today's episode, which hopefully will help you as a sales leader, whether you've been in the game for a while or whether you're brand new, or in fact, if you are looking at moving into a sales leadership role in the next, say, three to six months, tapping into this type of technique uh, and leveraging the power of the team can certainly fast-track your results. Now, by the way, if you are an individual contributor right now, the same technique I'm going to share with you is just as powerful for a project team, for an account team. Even when you're doing work with a customer, coming up with new ideas or looking at how to potentially solve more effectively problems that you both are facing. And tapping into this collective intelligence is through a program or a process known as brainstorming. Now, when you mention the word brainstorming, most people say, yeah, yeah, I know what all all that's about. You just get some ideas, throw them up on a whiteboard or a flip chart, use some post-it notes, and then Bob's your uncle, you'll get all these great ideas and off you go. Well, yes, to some degree that is correct, but there are some things to think about when it comes to brainstorming, and that's what I want to talk about today, and it's something we definitely cut off in a bit of uh, bit of detail yesterday as one of the key topics and some things about brainstorming is it's uh, it needs to be it's all about creative thinking. Now, one of the key rules around brainstorming is not to be critical and to get into a creative space. Now, if you know much about Disney, for example, and I talked about this yesterday 
Disney, when he was actually creating uh, a lot of his cartoons and a lot of his ideas around movies, would create this uh, space which is known uh, now as the Disney Room or the Disney Space, which is all about creativity. It wasn't about whether like, this idea would work or not. It was all about just getting all the ideas out of out of his head and out of people's heads and onto paper, onto whiteboards, onto something that could then be looked at, reviewed, discussed, and then chosen in terms of what are the best ideas to take forward and then create even more creativity around. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful exercise to do when it comes to problem solving, ideas generation, and a whole host of things, particularly at a group level. And it's one of the greatest ways to get your team completely involved in the process. So there's a level of ownership and a level of accountability that exists across the team. Now, with that said, there's some things to be thinking about. There's things to be mindful of when it comes to brainstorming. So there are a couple of limitations to brainstorming, which I will talk about shortly. But I wanted to share with you uh, a few things to think about when it comes to brainstorming. So some guidelines, if you like, for want of a better term. So there's some things to think about before we jump into the brainstorming session itself. There will be some things we need to be conscious of throughout the brainstorming session itself. And then also what happens after brainstorming. So here are some things to think about. Let's talk about, first of all, before the brainstorming session itself. One of the key things we've got to do is be really, really crystal clear on our purpose. So what is the outcome we're looking for? What is the whole purpose for the brainstorming session in the first place? Once that's clear, then we've got to be really clear also on who the participants that are going to be involved in the brainstorming session itself. Is it going to be your core sales team, for example? Is there anybody else that uh, works, I guess, directly with your sales team that would be worthwhile having in the brainstorming session because you know they're going to bring a fresh approach and new ideas that perhaps your team may not. So it's something to think about as well. Who the participants are going to be and when you do involve them, when you do invite them, actively encourage their individual participation because one of the key things around brainstorming is it's really, really important that everybody plays a part. A lot of teams will do some brainstorming sessions, but unfortunately there's a small number of people who will just sit there idly and not necessarily uh, make a contribution because there will be other people who kind of control the conversation. So we've got to make sure that every single person in the brainstorming session is an active participant and that becomes one of the guiding principles or one, one of the ground rules that we put in place before the brainstorming session starts. So the first thing is be clear on your purpose. Second thing is choose your participants and encourage individual participation. The third thing to think about before brainstorming is to change the environment. So don't do it necessarily in a normal meeting room that you run your other meetings in. Think about a different space. Think about a creative space. Go off-site. Sometimes I've seen great uh, brainstorming sessions happen in parks. Now, it's hard to take a big whiteboard out there, but you can certainly take post-it notes, clipboards. There's a whole host of things you can do out in an environment uh, away from the office, but it just creates that different atmosphere that makes it also informal, which is the next point. Create an informal atmosphere and make sure that people are really engaged in that particular conversation. Now, a key thing before the brainstorming, of course, is to make sure that there is a facilitator that keeps people on track. Now, normally that is, well, that normally that would be the sales leader, for example, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. One of the things I've seen happen really, really effectively in some teams is the sales leader wants to become almost like a contributor or a team member in the brainstorming session. So, um, giving somebody else the opportunity to facilitate that not only gives them an opportunity to uh, get some experience in facilitating a conversation at a group level, but also gives others the opportunity to see and hear from a different person, not just you as the sales leader. So it's really important though that we do select a facilitator because we've got to keep people on track. We've got to make sure that the ground rules are adhered to and we've got to make sure that uh, people are encouraged to make a contribution. So there are some things to think about when it comes to brainstorming, but before we actually get into the brainstorming session 
itself. Now, when you get into the actual brainstorming session, there needs to be some specific rules in place as well, because sometimes brainstorming can go off on different tangents. And if you don't have a, a strong facilitator that establishes the rules and uh, make sure that people are actually kept on track, it can actually end up being just a, um, a waffle fest and not necessarily a constructive uh, discussion or a constructive process, and therefore not necessarily giving you the opportunity to tap into the collective intelligence of your team. So some things to think about throughout the brainstorming session itself. One of the biggest ones that I've seen work really effectively is having people sit side by side. So if you've got a creative space, and if you've got a space where there are no tables, for example, having chairs set up in a U-shape is a great way. And if it's facing, say, a wall, uh, it might be a magnetic wall with you can, you can write stuff on or big whiteboards and stuff like that. Having people sitting side by side in a U-shaped form actually creates a lot more creativity because it also promotes equality. Now, one of the things I've seen a lot happen, and this happens, unfortunately, in a lot of negotiations, where people sit opposite each other, there is this unconscious, almost unconscious feeling of there must be some competition. So there's going to be a competitive nature of the conversation. Sitting side by side, it removes that unconscious competition, and you're actually side by side looking at the same perspective, looking in the same direction. So it does actually promote better brainstorming technique and therefore better generation of ideas. So make sure you're sitting side by side, ideally in a U-shape. The other thing we need to do during the brainstorm session as well is make sure we keep the ground rules really, really clear. And one of the key ground rules that I've always put in place around brainstorming is absolutely no criticism. The brainstorming session is is in itself a creativity session like we talked about with Disney. It's not about whether the idea that I put up is, is worthy or not. It's not about whether the idea can, can be implemented or not. It's simply an idea. The whole point about brainstorming is to get as many ideas out of people's heads onto paper, onto a whiteboard, onto flip charts, onto post-it notes, so we can then all look at it and then make some decisions about which ones are going to be worthy of continual uh, focus and maybe deep dive analysis on. So one of the key ground rules around this is to make sure that there is no criticism. And in fact, one of the key things I put in place is that we will outlaw negative criticism of any kind. And as as soon as there's some resemblance of criticism about any idea or even a a bit of a, a a bit of a laugh or a bit of a bit of a scoff if you like, that is outlawed and that is stopped straight away. Because if if you have people in a brainstorming session uh, making snide remarks or little noises and stuff like that that indicates, well I don't really agree with that that but that particular idea, that's a terrible idea then what's the chance of that person continuing to come up with ideas? So it's really, really, really critical that when it comes to getting ideas out of people, there is a rule around no negative criticism whatsoever because it's all about creativity. It's all about using our imagination. And we've got to look at things from multiple different angles. And one of the key things to think about, it, which is another, another ground rule, is don't worry about whether this idea sounds silly or not. In fact, sometimes the biggest, the biggest, boldest ideas, the ideas that come from the furthest of left field, are actually the ones that potentially have merit if we look at them from multiple different angles. So this is where creativity and really encouraging people to take the lids off their thinking and think about, well, if we couldn't fail, if anything was possible, what could we create? Now, this is perfect when it comes to brainstorming around problem solving, but it's also perfect when it comes to strategy generation, tactic generation, ideas generation on how we can improve collectively, but also how we can improve our business and how can we improve individually as well. And then the other key thing around uh, brainstorming, certainly a guideline is when you're recording ideas, one of the key things that's really, really critical is that all the ideas are recorded in full 
view. So everybody gets to see all of the ideas and there are no secret ideas, secret squirrel work being done. It's visible for everybody. So there are some guidelines for following during the brainstorming session itself. Now, there's some guidelines also we need to be conscious of when it comes to uh, after, what happens after the brainstorming. Now, one of the things we, we do in this particular stage is we can relax the no criticism rule. And the reason for that is we do need some sort of filtering process or some kind of criteria through which we can identify the best ideas and uh, maybe filter out the ideas that probably don't have as much merit. So it's about, it's not, and it's not, a, when we talk about no criticism rule being relaxed, it's not about taking some ideas and saying, oh, Johnny, that idea that you come up with was absolute rubbish or absolute drivel. It's not about that whatsoever. It's about how can we take all of the ideas that have been generated and how can we put some criteria against it to whittle it down to maybe three, four, five ideas that we can then have some more analysis on. So we need to have some sort of uh, process where we can actually separate the good ones from the not so good ones and the ones that uh, probably won't work at all. So whether that's a voting system or what have you, leave it up to you in terms of how you go about it. But after brainstorming is when we can relax that no criticism rule and really challenge what the ideas are that we've actually put up on the board to then identify the best ones. Now the key criteria after that is to then take one or two promising ideas and then invent ways to make it better. How do we make the idea more realistic? How do we actually come up with ideas on how to carry it out? What will success look like? What will the steps be in order for us to put in place that if we actually focus on this idea that we could actually get the outcome in the quickest time possible? And then from that, draw up a selective and improved list of ideas and set up a time for deciding which ideas are worth further exploration. So you might have, for example, a list of 20, sometimes depending on how big the team is and how big the problem is or how big, I guess, the topic is you're talking about, you might have 50 to 100 different ideas. And that's great. If you've got that, that creates um, lots and lots of opportunities. It also creates a few challenges as well because you might have some challenges whittling that down. But if you come up with a list of the top five ideas and then set about, okay, how do we deep dive this even further and maybe have a different session about that where you can actually really analyze this from multiple different perspectives, you will find yourself in a position where you can very quickly generate some ideas and then some actions around those ideas to make some progress in a really, really quick fashion. So there's some things to think about after the brainstorming. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast episode, there was a couple of limitations around brainstorming that I wanted to quickly touch upon. And uh, this is this is really important. As Certainly as a leader, if you're the facilitator of the sessions as well, just to keep these in, well, hopefully the front of mind so you can actually uh, counter these as much as you possibly can. So here are three limitations of brainstorming that uh, we talked about yesterday. Number one is understand that some people will either filter or they will limit their input. Now, this could be done for a various number of reasons. It could well be that they're intimidated by uh, by other people in the room, they're intimidated by you, hopefully not, or they're just naturally introverted and don't feel comfortable sharing uh, their ideas with people. Now, this is the key reason why us as facilitators or whoever's going to be facilitating encourages these people as much as they possibly can to make a contribution. But we do need to understand that there will be some people, irrespective of the amount of encouragement we do provide them, that will be uh, not giving as much as perhaps we would like for various different reasons. The second thing is we also need to be conscious of this thing called what we call verbal traffic jams. Now, verbal traffic jams is people will be uh, going off on different tangents, sometimes going down rabbit holes which can sometimes lead to us forgetting an idea. And this can happen a lot. And particularly if you've got somebody who's really, really boisterous, really, really enthusiastic, they can take the whole discussion off tangent 
and the people who are there to provide some ideas can very quickly get distracted by what's happening in front of them and therefore forget the ideas that they were going to generate and put on the board. So just be mindful of that, that not letting the team completely go off tangent and down rabbit holes. And the third limitation we talked about was, hey, sometimes brainstorming can be very, very social. Now, we've already said that we want this to be an informal conversation, but uh, sometimes it can get too informal, too social to the point where it's not as productive as it possibly could be. So remember, the whole point of brainstorming is to create ideas. It's not to, well, it, it's not to have fun. Well, it is to have fun, but it's not to have fun at the expense of getting the ideas out on paper. So we've got to make sure we keep people on task and focused on the task at hand to the point where we can get those ideas out, identify the ones that will have merit, identify the ones that we'll focus on uh, more energy on and therefore develop some action plans against. So just be mindful of that as well when it comes to your brainstorming. So there it is. There's some uh, high-level ideas around brainstorming and how you as a sales leader can tap more easily into your team's collective intelligence. And I've got to say from experience and running a lot of sessions for a lot of companies, brainstorming is a phenomenal exercise if you've got the right rules in place, if you've got the right people in place with the right ideas, with the right level of focus, and if we can actually keep people on track, it is a phenomenal way to really tap into that team's collective intelligence and really make the difference to their to their uh, effort, but also ultimately to the results that they generate. So I trust that message helps, trust that message resonates, and hopefully that is of value to you. So as always, Greatly appreciate you tapping into the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast, and I look forward to speaking with you and sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it, But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.